0: Hi, Jeremy Reisman, the producer of Pride of Detroit. I'm back for episode two of our Mega Marathon Movember stream. Um, If you missed any of it, this is... All of the interviews that we did um, during our 15-hour stream on Tuesday, November 29th. Um, if you missed episode one, it should be up on the stream all- already. Um, those interviews were of Dave Burkett, Lomas Brown, Kyle Meinke, Chris Burke, and of course the the Athletics, Dane Brugler. This episode will have five different interviews. All packed together. Here's the order in which they come. Ben Raven from MLive, Kentley Platy from Pro Football Network and obviously a former Pride of Detroiter himself, Lions, former Lions safety Glover Quinn, the Athletics Colton Pouncy, and we finish things off with play-by-play announcer Dan Miller. They're all fantastic interviews. Again, I want to spend this moment to thank everyone who participated in our Movember, whether you were just watching, whether you were sharing, and of course all of you that donated. Um, we, we raised nearly twenty-seven thousand dollars five hundred twenty seven thousand dollars five hundred for two amazing different charities um and and we can't do it without the the greatest sports fan base in the world we love you guys detroit lions fans um we're 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 ready for a playoff push maybe here um if not um we're, we're gonna have a great rest of the year and like i said on the first episode i can't wait to do this again thank you all for your support um we'll we'll talk to you again soon enjoy What was that noise?
1: I don't know why that
0: happened. Hey, (laughs) what's up, Ben? Oh, I'm digging the the Coyotes jersey there. Yeah, you like that, man? Yeah. (laughs) I think I I like Larry
2: Bird peering over your shoulder even more.
1: (laughs) It's a pretty special setup in here, man. (laughs) Oh, man, you got Nick Cage going on right now. I do.
0: I've been changing my background all day, and I figured you'd appreciate this one. So there you go. Oh, there we go. perfect <laughs> we, we we officially
2: get to see one half of the dungeon of doom podcast that's, that's right. right
1: that's right <laughs>
0: uh
1: is, is there any occasion for the coyotes jersey or tuesday oh man honestly uh i was just setting up like a little uh prison workout room downstairs today and i've been looking for like this jersey since we moved and i found it and i was ah. like
3: oh,
1: it's all day today <laughs> nice. is it a certain player <laughs> no it's actually one of those blank ones but okay. it's the inaugural season so it's a. Uh, it's a personal favorite. I bought this on eBay. When I first started at Live. I worked at the sports desk in grand Rapids. And there was like six of us who would just try to outdo each other with a ridiculous Jersey. So, uh, this was a favorite for sure.
0: <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Well, Ben, uh, appreciate you, you joining us, man. Uh, my, my new neighbor, my new Ipsy neighbor, by the way, um, <laughs> at, at one of these days we'll actually meet up and, and hang out for a little bit, but, uh, um, but let, yeah, let's jump into some lines talk. Um, you know, I want to start at the third and one. And I know people are probably sure. sick of talking about it, but you're <laughs> you're one of the rare few that came out in, in support of it. And and that was right in the immediacy of the game. So maybe you've changed your opinion since then. But if, if you haven't, um I, I'd like to hear your case. Why why do you think the deep shot to DJ Shark was the right call or have you changed your mind?
1: You know, just when I think about a play call, I look at what the play call delivered, and you know, you see Chark, one of your best playmakers, going downfield toward the pylon, open. You got a quarterback that's making thirty million plus this year, I, I, and I mean, you even got your best playmaker going across the field. I know he's not wide open in single coverage, so, but St. Brown's there too to be made an argument. So the play call, you got two of your best playmakers open, and I understand the argument, like, oh, you can't call that because you have Jared Goff, but. That's kind of changed in the immediacy. Like I was for it in the media. I'm still for it. You know, I mean, they took a shot. They were going for a win. When you got like one of the league's best on the ropes, you go for the kill. And that's kind of what I took that call as. But uh, you know, I I the other side of that is yeah, you can't call that anymore. You can't do that anymore. Like, even if it was the right call, you don't have the guy to execute that call. They've given them a couple chances to be that guy. Now, whenever they had a quarterback draft trade sign whatever they're going to be able to say hey we gave this guy every single chance to grab this job so it's like I i still think it's the right call because now you know what you have and right. I mean shoot most quarterbacks in the NFL who are full-time starters long term are making that throw and that's to me it's like the play call you had some pretty legit options on that call it just wasn't executed and now you know you don't have the guys to execute it so yeah it's kind of a I'm still, I'm still digging the call. I like the aggressiveness and it was there.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you. And I think that's, that's a good point. Like you have to, you have to know for sure he can't make that throw. And because he didn't make it once against the dolphins or, you know, maybe other opportunities where he had an open receiver deep, you have to be sure. Sure. And, and maybe you'd like it not to be in a, in a, in a, a a play that decides the, the ball game, but at the same time, those are you need to be sure he can deliver. He, he can or can't deliver in, in big moments like that. So, I think that's that's a really interesting way to look at. It. And I, I, like I said, I don't I don't think I disagree.
1: No, yeah, and I, I get it's one of those things that I get both sides of it, and it's just like I don't know. And I think in a different situation, if you're throwing, if you're calling that play on third and one, you're going for it on fourth down. But I understand it was a three point game, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can move past it. We can move yeah. past it. And you know what? I'm not going to bother with any Dan
0: Campbell play clock, any of that. Oh, sort God, of stuff. Yeah. We're, we're beyond that at this point. Um, but, but I do want to, I, I guess I do want to talk about Dan Campbell and I guess the, the trajectory of this team in, in general, because people seem to be pretty, pretty darn happy with where things are going, whether it's, you know, the draft picks, all like every single 2022 draft pick contributing at this point, other than JMO or, or whether it is, the team, you know, going through a really tough part of the season again and going one and six, losing one of your favorite coaches and the boat is still upright. Um, how how optimistic do you think Lions fans should be at this point? Because we've seen we've seen small bits of success before, right? We've seen a, a, a three yeah. game winning streak. We've seen win three out of four, those sort of things. Does this feel different to you?
1: Yeah, I do, because I, I, I never was on board with the mass hysteria at one and six this season. I still was like, this thing's still heading in the right direction. You know, I think that's different for us. We get to see it every day. We get to feel it every day. And, but uh, getting three wins in a row, winning two in the division, winning a game on the road. I mean, you're you're hitting accolades that you should be hitting in year two. So it's like, in like you said, all the defenders that they have on the field that they've drafted are like, doing it like big time and then you got Sewell and St. Brown in the previous draft in their first one and it's like alright he's got an eye for talent I mean Holmes has got an eye for talent and is clearly getting more out of these guys as the weeks go on so I think the optimism should be riding high I mean honestly I'm not shocked by anything that's really happened this year you know I mean obviously I didn't think the defense was going to be as bad as it's been at times, but I even think the arrow up, the arrow was up on that big time. So it's like optimism should be riding high. I mean, the young pieces are getting better. The young pieces are making plays. And I mean, it's an absolute shocker. I mean, 11% playoff chance this late in the season. What is that? It's almost December. This team's (laughs) not mathematically eliminated yet. I know the North is done, but like, I don't know. It's like it feels like they're starting to check some of the boxes that you should start checking in year two. Even if it was a tear down, then a rebuild. Like like they're moving forward, and that counts for something for sure.
2: Got something, Ryan? Well, I mean, I guess the one question that you've been asking every beat writer leads perfectly into what Ben just said. Eleven percent chance of still <laughs> making the playoffs. Ben, like, what do you think? what do you think in your mind are the chances are that the lions make the playoffs? Like what kind of run do you think they go on in these
1: final six games? (laughs) I I, I'm I don't know because it's like, it's interesting because you look at the schedule and it's like Jaguars. You should win that game. Jets probably should win that game. Panthers probably should win that game. Bears probably should win that game. And then you look at Vikings and Packers. I mean, Vikings, they were right there in that first matchup. The Packers, they beat them. Can they do it again? So it's like, man, that schedule's really setting up to keep that 11%. I'm not trying to... I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but it's like they're going to be in the mix. Like, they're going to be in the hunt like they're going to be on those beautiful graphics for the rest of the season I think because it's shocking to look at the two teams in front of them right. I mean I, I I think the Seahawks are really solid I think they're going to be a threat all year but it's like the Atlanta Falcons are disgusting and they just <laughs> lost Kyle Pitts for the rest of the season I mean the way that they lost that game last week was like one of the saddest things I'd ever watched in my life like a pass <laughs> deflection into an interception that was like a Madden like ping pong interception on their update that they've got so it's just like they're going to be in. After that, they have
0: the running into the punter. They had one more opportunity <laughs> to win the game, and then they ran into the punter. It's very Falcons-like finish.
1: It's just uh, – so it's like, man, they're going to be in the hunt. I mean, I, I, who knows what the heck the Packers are going to be the rest of the season because it's they're just a weird thing to crack out, but I don't care what the heck they are. The Lions team is going to hang with them. So it's like the rest of the season is winnable games. Like, none of them are gimmies for sure. Like, this Jaguars team is feisty, and they're coming in hot after last weekend for sure, but like – they should win that game. The lions should win that game. So it's like, gosh, I don't know. It's going to be hard to kind of contain the Kool-Aid around these parts for the rest of the season, because there's some winnable games and the NFC is kind of trash in the middle and the bottom. So it's like, you know, they might be able to out their roster a little bit this year.
0: I'll put you down for 55%. Um, you <laughs> me like
1: 35. Okay, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I think that Jacksonville is really the, the, the like it's make it yeah. right. because if they lose this game against Jacksonville like i think everyone's just like oh okay it's not happening this yeah, year
1: like not happening focus on the draft
0: yeah <laughs> um mathematically though that's that's probably mm-hmm. the best game to lose because it's an afc matchup but right. we don't we don't need to get into that there <laughs> yeah, that's that a deep even.
1: conversation <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. um I, uh you're I, this is maybe a little bit unfair to say but but you're you're still relatively new to the beat and so i i just You came in during the Patricia era, like I did. Um, (laughs) Can you, can you just describe for the people how different of a mood it is? Not necessarily even just in the locker room, but in the media room day to day, just like how much that culture difference permeates through every part of the building.
1: Yeah, I'll just put it like this. Like I worked at my for six years before I got on the Lions beat, like did everything to get into the point to get that Lions job. And like after the like first two month high of that first year, it sucked going to work every day. Like it sucked. Like, Matt, like that building was so sad. The players didn't want to be in the locker room. There was nobody in the locker room. Like every day was Friday in the locker room. Like we're just standing around in a circle. Like nobody's in there. You talk to Quandre, trade him. Talk to Slay, he's gone. It was it was miserable, and it was a terrible environment for reporting. It was a terrible environment for journalism. And it's like we didn't even get to see the bottom of it because the pandemic kind of made it the same for everyone around the league. But like, I. what it's been since day one with dan campbell it's like the press conferences are transparent like he used to give us injury stuff before we'd even ask for it like i remember when like somebody got hurt and he like gave us the grade of their strained hamstring we like looked around like what the (laughs) no one even (laughs) asked about it so it's just i don't know there's no fear to ask a question there's no stupid little games being played like there's nfl coach speak and football games being played but it's not belittling you're not i don't know it's just it's a transparent open environment that really like even allows us to be ourselves and kind of like welcomes that too not just the players it's just uh it doesn't suck to go to work anymore like i i I like being in that building like this was a dream job and i got it and it's nice being happy about being able to do that again (laughs) it just was uh it was miserable it really was it's like kyle and i tell people this on the podcast all the time all the stories you've heard about the matt patricia era are true and worse so <laughs> <Right>? that's just <laughs> there are some there's someone that say within those closed doors mm-hmm. that that
0: you and i both know that yeah just there's, unbelievable yeah. To, you know, to think about some that. of the things yeah. that were <laughs> a big deal to to them that should not have God. been yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least we bonded over Star Wars, you know, Patricia. Yeah. I will say that. It was the weirdest, it was uh the last combine him and Quinn did. And it was just me walking by myself after one of those long days in that giant convention center, and he pulled me over. One on one, pulled me over, called me over, asked me how my time was, asked how it was going, talked to me about Star Wars, and then walked away. And then it was like right back to normal the next day. so it's just, what? <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. that that was always his go-to. I'm a nice guy conversation piece. <laughs> with Star Wars.
1: Oh man, I popped him when I had the Tatooine background. Like he loved that. That's crap. right. I like... forgot about that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. All right. Well, I mean, uh, do we, do we head towards a little bit of draft talk,
0: Jeremy? Do we talk? Hey, if you're, if you're, if you want to talk draft talk, you can.
2: Well, I I, I mean, I, I I, I guess we can just tackle it from this perspective. Like Ben, do you think that the lions need to go quarterback with, with their, their top pick this year?
1: Only and only if they're on the board and Bryce young is on the board. He's the only one I would take at the top of the draft of those three quarterbacks i don't hate those other two quarterbacks bryce young is just the one that i look at and i'm like yeah he's got it he's got it and i'd rather take a risk on his size than stroud's issues when stuff breaks down or the kentucky kids disgusting tape this season so i'd rather go with bryce (laughs) young so yeah yeah it's kind of just that i don't think they're going to force it just because they've really just not shown a hand that they're going to force it. And I mean, love something like Brad Holmes loves Jared Goff and we'll see how long that goes. But uh, I think Bryce young is the one that should get that green light. Like if he's there, no matter where they're at, if he's there.
2: Yeah. So, so if, if Bryce young is kind of your guy, like, do you think that there's any value in, Hey, Anthony Richardson still available in the second round or Hendon hooker is available in the third round? Do you, do you just take a flyer on a guy who, Hey, maybe we can sit him behind Jared Goff for a while. Or do you think that that puts a little bit too much pressure on Jared Goff, the, the person, Jared Goff, the quarterback um, in terms of, Hey, we drafted the guy that that might be taking your job.
1: Yeah. And it's an interesting conversation because I don't know how great Jared Goff would be in that role. I don't know. I'm not saying he's a bad dude. I'm not saying he's a mean dude, but I don't, there wouldn't, I don't think there would be an effort to help that kid take his job. If you know what I mean? Like there's already kind of like uh so I, because I thought about it long and hard last year, I fell in love with Des- Desmond Ritter. A lot of people fell in love with Malik Willis. I thought they should have added a mid early round quarterback, anybody with some mobility that can make a play with their legs or anything from that reserve spot, not somebody that to push golf, but just to kind of, make an investment in that position like it's going to be year three the rebuild and they haven't made an investment in that position outside of Tim Boyle and Nate Sudfeld so <laughs> I, I, you just, yeah, you just, not you great do something at that position like eventually outside of trading your franchise's best all-time quarterback so it's just uh so uh, yeah I I, I thought it was time last year to add a guy in the draft. I, if they don't do it in the first round, I think it'll be time to do it again because if something goes wrong with Jared, or if he really falls off a cliff, you need to have at least a potential long-term answer. You know I mean? Cause if they're going into year four of the rebuild with no answer at quarterback, that's a disaster or no potential answer. So it's just, yeah, they, they got to draft a quarterback at some point this year. Yeah, for sure.
0: To, to continue that discussion. And, I I, I don't know how well you can you you could even pry Bryce Young away from the Texans but do you if if they feel similarly where it's it's kind of like Bryce Young or bust do you do you make a run at pick number one and, and just and just sell out the farm to get there
1: yeah if they're sitting at three like they are right now no. Cause they still need like a game changer. Like if a Will Anderson type could be there at three, that's not worth getting out of there for like, I, like I really do think Bryce Young could be the answer, but I just, That would, I think the, the Texans are a wild organization, unpredictable (laughs) off the walls for sure, but I don't even see them trading the number one overall pick for, you know, a bag of beans or anything like that. So no, I'd stay away from that one. I would just, you know, there's some good defenders in this draft and that could check a lot of boxes, whether you're talking defensive line, interior, pass rusher, cornerback, name it. The defense still needs some pieces for sure. That's tough though.
3: It is tough.
0: And and it's weird to say that the Lions are in a tough position right now at three because it's a miracle position that they're even there with with the Rams collapsing. But it does it does bring up some interesting philosophical choices that they're going to have to face if they stay there. Um, But before we let you go, Ben, and this is this is a slightly unfair question. So if you don't want to answer it because you have some personal relationships that affect your answer. Go ahead and, and not answer. But I think you know this already, that because we raised over $15,000, I have to get a henna tattoo. And the current leader of that is is that I have to get a henna tattoo of the Mount Rushmore of Detroit Lions beat writers. Um, and so I have to ask you, who, okay. you don't have to give me all four, because again, I, I realize that might involve some personal relationships, but who who's at least has to be on that Mount Rushmore?
1: uh mike o'hara yep um i think killer deserves a spot on that um and uh yeah i'll give you those two that. i'll okay. give you those two right yes. there yeah i, I,
0: I think yeah. everyone is on board for for those two yeah. we'll have to we'll have to maybe do a runoff <laughs> poll for the rest because it's not fair to ask you guys that kind of question I, I completely understand Um for,
2: those for two feel just,
1: safe though those, those are, are safe, safe picks ones, you know i mean you could even yeah yeah yeah, those guys. Yeah, I'll, those yeah, two. We'll
2: leave it yeah, there. How long how, how long has O'Hara been at this? I mean, it's been
1: he started in Portsmouth, actually.
2: I think
0: no. <laughs> there, Just... <laughs> there are some amazing pictures of him in the media room, by the way. Of, of him. Uh, yeah, but no, that's that's good stuff, uh, Ben. Before we let you go, I want to have you promote some stuff, including yep. some of your wrestling stuff. I, I want I want people to know where they can either find some of the stuff that, that has happened or uh, it's my understanding that there might some, be some stuff in the future too. So let, let's hear
1: right. Yeah, that's right. I appreciate it. I, I did uh after I, I trained at the can Dojo in Windsor for like a year and a half, two years. And then the pandemic hit, got the Lions job, threw me off, but I finally made my pro wrestling debut last month as a play-by-play guy combat one wrestling that show was up on IWTV, independent wrestling tv check it out i had a great time it was a great show and i am back i'm booked baby december 28th uh we are uh, not we are one but it's combat one wrestling in a big main event uh rhino local guy former wwe guy big name big legendary name taking on mr anderson former wwe guy if you want to know uh yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you want to check out something of mine other than the Detroit lions and hear me kind of tap into a character and call some wrestling for two hours, it's been a pretty good time. Yeah. Combat one wrestling. Good, good, good people over there. <laughs> I got my first pro wrestling check on the wall. I haven't even cashed it yet. It's no, like, yeah. First... yeah. Like Z mom, my lifetime obsession paid off. <laughs> <laughs> Love that Ben. Well,
0: appreciate you joining us, spending a little bit of your, your day, quote unquote day off uh here and
1: uh I'll, I'll see you i'll see you tomorrow tomorrow that's right now you guys keep it up uh, i appreciate <laughs> it thank you for having me and uh have a good one
0: all right thanks buddy you too ben thanks if you guys don't know kent used to work for pride of detroit he is the creator of relative athletic score athletic score or as you may know as RAS, which just about everyone i think uses now when uh when evaluating draft prospects now pro football network what's your title there now um it changes with
4: my mood <laughs> um Officially, I'm in charge of the mock draft simulator. um i I'm usually referred to as a curator, but I, I like to call myself manager when i'm when I'm talking to people and want to sound important. Um but i only I only manage technology and not
0: people, so that's not technically accurate. And and if, if I know you correctly, I think that's probably the way you prefer it.
4: Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely not a a jumping over a bunch of people trying to make things work. I like to get my hands dirty.
0: (laughs) Well, let's, I mean, let's jump into draft talk as much as you know, I'm probably not eager to talk about that sort of stuff. Um, I am. It is exciting (laughs) for Lions fans right now because they're, they're not tanking yet. They are tanking at the same time, courtesy of the, the Los Angeles Rams. So, um, let's start at quarterback because I know, I know you're not a Jared Goff fan and and there are, I think plenty of Lions fans that have joined you at this point. Um, So is, is Bryce young, your number one, which it seems like is the consensus number one for a lot of people. And if so, how big is that gap between him and everyone else?
4: I don't think there's much, that much of a gap and I'm not right there with Bryce Young just yet to have him okay. as the number one guy. I still have Stroud there. Um, my issue with Stroud is that he's not a mobile dude. Um, I want somebody who can get on the run. He's actually pretty good outside of the pocket. One of the one of the main reasons I heard you guys talking earlier about him being compared to Jared Goff, and I think the main reason for that is how much CJ Stroud is used on rollouts. And that's like that was like Goff's big thing when he was with LA was being successful on those rollouts. And that's a lot of a lot of where Stroud succeeds. Um, but there's a lot of really good traits with both of those guys. Um, Young's got a couple of issues with, with his, uh, obviously his size is going to be a concern. Um, and, and there's the height isn't a big deal, but the fact that he's under 200 pounds is going to be a concern because you want a guy that can take some hits, you know? Um, but there's, you know, there's, there's always going to be those little wrinkles with him. Uh, The big gap happens after that. You know, you have those two guys, and then there's a pretty big gap between them and your next group of guys, um, which is going to be Richardson from Florida and Levis from uh, Kentucky, and it's it's a fair enough gap. Both of those guys are really talented. They have great arms. They're both mobile. They've got good size. They've got all those physical traits that you want in a quarterback. They've just got a lot of issues north of the neckline, and they need to get that stuff worked out. Um, I had Levis above Richardson for a really long time. Uh, the last probably four weeks, that is that is very much changed. Uh, Richardson has played a lot better, whereas Levis has played a lot worse. Um, and I think you're going to see that coming on, into the draft too, where people are going to start questioning whether or not um, you know that 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 order should be switched up. After that, you have Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. He just tore his ACL. Um, he's also going to be a 25-year-old rookie. Uh, that's going to be a big concern. Um, and you guys know how I feel about guys that play for four or five years without doing anything, and that suddenly they're good at the end of their career. That's that's always a big concern to me because you have to ask yourself why was that? What was what was the reason behind them not being utilized? Sometimes it is just there's a scheme that's that's not being switched up. They switch up the scheme and they find that way to to use the guy. Um, that that happens and that's that's totally fine. That's that's why we look at guys in different schemes to find a way that they work. But other times it's just they they win in college. It's not something that translates to the pros. Um, I'm I'm kind of that there with Hooker at the moment. I, I'm not hundred percent certain his traits are going to translate when he gets to the pros. Um, and then you're in the, you're in the weeds after that. Um, after that, you're in your third round quarterback types of guys. if you're if you're looking at him at all, um, I, I grade by tier and my my tiers are essentially, top half of the first round and then from there to the second round and then it's a void after that um you guys have already heard I've said it earlier today never draft a quarterback in the third round um it's it's just a waste of a draft pick light it on fire um this is where you're going to find your guys like bo Nix, michael penix and guys like that that are going to get a lot of hype um, I draft them on day three, develop them. If you can use them as a backup lines, do need a backup quarterback going into 2023 as well. So I'll, I'll probably be talking about a lot of quarterbacks that we're not talking about starters, right? <laughs> we're, we're just talking about guys that you might, you might want to roster and find a role for. Uh, but when you're looking at starters, there's really only those first five guys and there's sizable gaps between one and two and then three, four and five. Um, and then a drop off after that.
5: I I want to ask about I I think I've banged about on about Levis about how much I think his stock is going to grow here uh in the next few months considering what I've heard from NFL scouts that it seems a lot of them are in love with him and it's going it's going to just get him more on the radar with certain people but Switching it to Anthony Richardson, like I, I'm curious why you think he's pulled ahead. Just because I, I I would agree with that, but at the same time, I know one night I woke up, uh, I slept through that Florida Florida State game. I woke up uh, first with a text from Ryan, our uh, Ryan Matthews, offering me an apology for doubting me about Anthony Richardson, and then about I would say 30 minutes later, uh, time stamped, I had a a note from my friend Ross saying. Why the hell did you ever believe in Anthony Richardson? Because what had happened in between was that amazing first half he had, and then a just 100% goose egg in the second half. And I, I need to impress that this, like both for, for, for Levis and for Richardson, they are playing on bad teams. They're playing on bad teams in a very strong SEC West, I mean, East division, excuse me. East Division, including a uh, the the defending national champion and probably going to be the national champion again here, if we're being honest. And the rest of their team around them is no not good at all. It makes evaluating them very hard in a vacuum. But uh, the problem is too on the flip side of that, the 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 hype for Richardson is is give him enough time and he'll be Josh Allen. So where, where is the growth? Where's the growth happening? Because I think some people are still struggling to see the growth in the Anthony Richardson.
4: Yeah. And that's, that's actually the same issue that you're going to have with Will Levis. These guys are very similar prospects in what they bring to the table. They both have really good size. They're both over 230 pounds. They're both, uh, I think, I think Levis six, three Richardson six, four, they both got good height. They both have really good arms. There's a lot of athletic ability there. Um, they both have accuracy issues. They have issues reading the entire field. They struggle when defenses give them more than just basic coverages. There's a lot of similarities between the two. The, the difference to me, to me has been progression over the course of the season. Um, Anthony Richardson started out the season an absolute trash heap. Um, one of the worst quarterbacks in all of college football in the first couple of games of the season. And that that turned around very quickly when he started to play well there wasn't like a oh he's starting to get better type of scenario with richardson it was just oh he doesn't suck anymore all of a sudden he's not bad um, and the he way played...
5: he can re... the way he can look <laughs> look people off with his eyes yeah. like just completely screw up a read
4: just, yeah uh... and his issue tends to be doing those types of things i i think and this is going to sound like I'm I'm dissing him as a person. It's not meant as that. This is just kind of looking at how he plays. But I feel like Richardson thinks he's a better quarterback than he is. Whereas I think that Levis understands the type of quarterback that he is, and he realizes that he's got a lot of things that he needs to fix. And both of those things can have advantages. You want a guy to be self-aware. You want them to understand that they need to get better. But it's, it's how they use that self-awareness. And I think that Richardson has gotten better over the course of the season where Levis is continuing to have these really sharp highs and lows to his play. Um, You mentioned Richardson in that one game where he had the great first half and then he fell off in the second half. You see that a lot with Levis. And, you know, they do have a gauntlet of teams that they've had to face and and no slouches. You know, Tennessee is, is one of the best teams in college football this year. And they both had to face them, and neither of them did particularly well.
5: And and against- again, like these are with bad offenses around yes. them too. Like yes. they they're they're not those those are purely just because of their quarterbacks with Florida and Kentucky.
4: Yes, and I I joked a little bit before about how golf panics and how things crumble when when golf faces pressure. And to me, that's the big differentiator between Levis and Richardson, because like I said, there's so many similarities with their play. Uh, but when it comes to that that fearless gene, the, the one thing that Eli Manning had that made him a good quarterback for as long as he was is just that you have to have a short memory and you have to be able to get over that and move on to the next play. And Richardson does a better job of that, I feel, than Levis does. And I feel that that, that one trade alone, that that trait of being able to move past mistakes and find a way to continue to change and keep going, um, he just does a little bit better right now, whereas Levis tends to overcorrect He's he he keeps if he if he's trying to do too much and he makes a mistake, he tries to do even more, which can lead to even bigger mistakes and make him struggle more. Um, These are both very good prospects. And both of these guys are probably going to go in the first round, if not first in the early second. Um, But they're going to be they're going to need some time to develop. They're going to need a lot of patience and they're going to need a really good staff to get them going um let's move
0: off quarterbacks for a minute here because the- if i can
5: just sorry one one name i don't think we've talked about him at all today so just one word yes no you don't need to explain anything here ken i'm sorry i'm sorry jeremy but one word yes no spencer radler
4: a- absolutely not i can't even okay. give you okay. one no i need it i need that <laughs> i need to make sure it's, it's clear that it's not just a no <laughs> fair,
0: fair. okay um but yeah the Quarterback may or may not be an option for the Lions. They they might not like this class. They may want to kick the can another year because now the 2024 class is awesome, um, supposedly. But um, <clears throat> obviously, I mean, you know the Lions just as well as anybody. You know that they need a lot of things on defense, really, uh, maybe even a couple things on offense. So, give me your best fits. Um, your maybe your 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 wish list for the Lions, and let's let's just stick it to the first two rounds. What are who are some guys where you're just like Lions can land this guy. It's going to change this defense in a hurry
4: well we get to cheat because the rams are garbage right now so this is, this is very helpful <laughs> yes. um because we we get we get a couple of options that are that are kind of catch-alls uh will anderson from alabama and jalen carter from georgia will fit any defense in the nfl um i don't think either of those guys are, are going to have any trouble acclimating to the nfl and will anderson is an absolute game changer on the edge as a pass rusher um, huge fit if the Lions decide to skip out on quarterback and go for a pass rusher instead. Uh, Jalen Carter, pretty much the same story, only on the interior of the line. And I could just imagine scenarios of putting him next to Aiden Hutchinson and just making life easier on a guy that's not going to get tired, and yeah. just making him making his life easy every play for for a whole game. Um, that would be a lot of fun to be able to see stuff like that. <laughs> and we don't we don't get to see it as much as we would like to. Um, there's a couple of linebackers that, that stand out to me. Um, Noah Sewell is going to get a lot of play to the lions in mock drafts because of the the connection there, because he's, his brother's already on the team. Uh, but he's a really good linebacker in his own right. He's very athletic. He's got good size. Um, the lions don't really have a guy with that type of physicality in their linebacking core right now. Um, are a lot, a lot lighter at linebacker than we're used to seeing, you know, the Matt, Matt Patricia era died very quickly in that <laughs> linebacker room yeah. and they were bad at first, but I think they're starting to improve and we're starting to see some really nice things from them. Um, if they try to add some meat to that group, that's, that's a guy that I think would immediately improve that room and help the team as a whole, um, Outside of that, looking at the defensive backs, there aren't a whole lot of guys that are like, oh man, this guy fits so perfectly to what the Lions are trying to do, both at corner and at safety. Um, yeah, I don't even have, I'm looking at a list of the defensive backs right now and I'm not finding anybody that that really jumps out at me as a guy that the Lions would absolutely have to have. Um, thankfully, they've wanted to get thicker or better up front. And there's a lot of really good guys that fit that even outside of those first couple of picks.
0: Um, let's 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 move to 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 your your job at Pro Football Network. You, you say you you're you're working the mock draft, and I know Lions fans are already kind of itching to to start. I, I think it's I think it's out of habit at this point because at this point we're used to just being knee deep in mock drafts, but we we don't have to be. Everybody, we can talk playoffs at least for one more week. But um, tell us about like the new features. Tell us tell us about um, what people can get excited about with the the Pro Football Network uh, mock draft simulator
4: yeah we've we've been free um, since they since they created the simulator, it's always been free and we try to make sure that we have at least the same types of features that everybody else has for it um, that everybody else charges for. you know there's a lot of other guys out there that charge for the ability to trade and things like that. We've never done that. we've always allowed it for free. Um, we have a very open um, we have an open dialogue with our with with our fans with how the simulator is going. If guys think that if fans think that we have guys rated wrong, they can reach out to us and let us know. And we can either explain why we have them that way, or we can take that back to the group of guys we have in the background and say, hey, this this is coming up a lot where this guy is, you know, we have him rated here. People are saying that that's overrated or underrated. We'll evaluate that. Uh, we take a lot of input. We don't drink our own Kool-Aid um, as much. There, There's always going to be those moments where you have a guy that you're high on that other people aren't high on. And you're just like, look, we think that he's really worth picking in this range. We think that he's going to go there. Um, we think that he's worth going there. We'll have guys that stump for guys like that, but generally, the the we take a lot of things into consideration from the fans and how to make the simulator better. Um, we've taken a lot of suggestions for for features that people can can try to do with it, um, and and we try to do those whatever we can. We try to implement whatever we can to make it better. Um, we've got that opportunity because, despite being you know a proprietary platform that we we keep all pretty close to the chest, we don't we don't have anything that we do that's you know super secret. We don't have any secret stats that we're trying to sell you. You know, we're we're just trying to put out a good product that people can enjoy. And I think we do a pretty good job of that. Plus, it's pretty fast. I've, I've run a couple of uh, the other sims because part of my job is making sure that we're we're you know at least keeping up up with the other guys. And the the fact that ours is fast and some of those aren't it infuriates me sometimes.
0: <laughs> Before I let you go, we've had a couple of people ask about running backs, and I don't know if they're doing it to troll me or not. Yeah. But running running back is it's certainly a, a perceived need of of the Lions going forward. Is there is there a guy you like? And please tell me it's in the third round or later.
5: <laughs> come well, on no 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 no! come on you no. stand for you you, you want Bijan robinson come on you guys
4: know how i felt i mean it's been a running joke for me for for what four years for the lions taking a running back in the second round it's been a running gag for a long time um i was at legitimately surprised that they didn't take a running back in the second or third round last year i expected them to based on on brad holmes's draft history and just the lions general luck yeah um but I feel like they do need a running back. They built their entire identity around being a running team and trying to be that punch you in the face guy. And yes, I'm going to stand for B. John Robinson a little bit because he is the best running back in college football football right now. And I do believe he would change what this team looks like in 2023. Um, I don't think the Lions are going to be in position to draft him. I think that their second pick is still going to be a little bit too high. If the Lions win out or do enough to get their pick a little bit lower in the round, that puts us kind of in that sweet spot to grab a guy like him. And fans are going to be a little bit upset at first until they get him out on the field and he's just obliterating people, and they'll be they'll be fine with it. You know, once they start getting all those touchdowns and and knocking people's heads around. <laughs> They'll be fine with it, uh, but there's a lot of options outside of of Bijan Robinson. You know, Tank Bigsby from Auburn is a really good option. Um, Zach Charbonnet from UCLA is a really good option. Um, we actually only have him ranked in like the 70s. I have him ranked quite a bit higher. I have him in that second round kind of range. The simulator has him a little bit lower. I get overruled a lot um, about <laughs> where I want to have guys. Um, but yeah, it's. It's a really good option because he's 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 six one two twenty. He's got that big physicality, and I think that's the type of of running back the Lions are going to be looking for in this draft. Is those bigger guys, um, and there's plenty of options. It's a really good draft to need a running back in. It's it's just also a good draft where if you if you don't get one of these guys, there there's just enough wrinkles that you can be okay with having missed out on these guys, with the exception of Bijan Robinson. So, um, it's a good draft to need one. And, and also a good draft to want one.
0: Uh, Last thing before we let you go here, um, I'm asking as many people as I remember to ask this percentage chance that the Lions make the playoffs.
4: I I don't think it's very high. I know I've seen as, as high as what? 95% uh, (laughs) during your guys' stream. Um, There was somebody that posted the 538 article that, that, that has the whole, whatever they calculated to do it. It's like 8%. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I mean, those are both fair assumptions based on what you think the team is. Um, I think a lot of things would have to go right for the lions to make the playoffs. And we don't see that happen ever. Right. So (laughs) um, I, I don't think it's very likely I'd put it as low as 2%. Um, There's a chance that it happens, but so many things would have to go right.
0: Considering you are the math bomb that, that hurts me particularly hard to hear you say that, but. (laughs) completely understandable it's fine though I, you guys know
4: I've, I've never been sitting here going, oh god the lions need to make the playoffs but they should never lose out for a draft pick right. and the lions have have not stopped what they did with dan campbell as a rookie head coach and they are consistently trying to win every single game they never stop they never give up they never surrender they're always trying to move towards a win and i feel like there's some we can make some kind of really bad promo video with like really oddly militaristic themes to it with that. <laughs> um, but it's it's the type of team that they have right now is doing the right things and making the right choices for a team that's trying to win for the future. All of their good players are young. This is what you want your team to look like. If they miss out on the playoffs, that's totally fine. It's right. not a big deal. This team's going in the right direction. Be happy. Enjoy it.
5: I'll be right back, making a mashup of the Detroit Lions master and commander on the far side of the world. <laughs>
0: Well, I think that's a perfect uh, way to close this on a nice, optimistic note. There, Kent. Appreciate your time as always. Uh, we're, we'll. You're not definitely going to be a stranger over the next five or six months as we we get deeper and deeper into draft talk. But uh, good luck with everything over there at PFN, and and just know that every success that you have in your career, I feel as a as a reflection of 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 us because uh, you did so much quality work for us as well. You guys are still awesome, and you guys have mentioned that whole
4: uh the the mount rushmore thing i'm surprised that nobody's brought you up as a candidate oh, come we've got to have we've <laughs> got to have got to have the people's champion up there man
0: There's <laughs> there's got to be somebody to represent the little guy and i definitely I that... <laughs> don't want a tattoo of myself on my chest but i appreciate the gesture <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks guys for having me i'll still T-Man. be around appreciate you guys all right buddy you have a good one yeah.
6: go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's s y l v a n 29.com.
0: So um just so you know, but uh but yeah, uh, Glover, um Lions former safety, um now host of the Believe in Lions podcast. Um I want to I want to jump right into it and, and start with the secondary cuz to me the Lions secondary has been one of the more fascinating stories this year. Um, obviously, um, getting rid of, of, <clears throat> um, the, the secondary's coach Aubrey pleasant, uh, um, about a month ago, pretty drastic move. Um, but seems to maybe have produced, um, positive results. First of all, I, I don't know, have you ever gone through a coaching change mid season? And can you kind of, if you have, can you kind of talk to the impact it has on a locker room and, and how that, I mean, I feel like it could maybe potentially go two ways, right? Like People could be really angry. People could, you know, kind of take notice.
3: Um, I don't know if I ever went through one mid-season. Yeah. Let me think. Houston, no. Detroit, no. Yeah, the only, I mean, I guess, offensive coach. I think Joe Lombardi got fired. um, Oh, that's true, yeah. 2015, yeah. 2015, mid-season, I think right after London or before London, one of those games. Um, But other than that, I don't know if I've experienced a change mid-season. But at the end of the day, you know, change, like you said, it just puts people on notice. Like, okay, well, there's change. And, you know, depending on who... Is a part of change, you know, it's a new start for some people, right? I mean, in this situation, yeah, the defensive coordinator is still there, the head coach is still there. So if you was a DB that, you know, really wasn't in those guys' good graces, just because you get a new position coach don't mean you're still gonna don't mean you're gonna fall back. You know what I'm saying? Right. But sometimes, you know, if you get a new D coordinator, well, that guy comes in and you kind of got a clean slate. Yeah, he's probably seeing you on film and kind of have an idea about you, but you still get opportunity to show that maybe you're different in his scheme or his system. So, you know, when you have changes mid-season, well, that also just lets the position group know that, hey, they're really looking at us. Like, they feel like our group is the reason why this team is where we are right now. Because if they'd have felt that way about the defensive line, they would have fired the D-line coach. Right. <laughs> they'd have felt that way about, you know, I'm saying, the quarterback, then they would have fired the quarterback coach. Well, they fired the DB coach. So that's how they feel about us, that we're not performing. And in the middle of the season, you can't cut all the players because you need the players, but we can get rid of the coach. And that lets all the players know, in the offseason, we can get rid of you guys because the only one that's, you know – Really, Tracy just got paid. I think Jeff Okuda's in year three, so yeah. this is this is option year, right? They just signed Elliot. I don't know if he what how many years he signed, but I can't imagine it being more than one or two, right? One, yeah, I think it's just a one year deal, yeah. Right. Kirby just got drafted, so they're not paying him any money, so. <laughs> He's not going anywhere, but they're not paying you. You know what I'm saying? They're not paying you big bucks right now. So they're just putting guys on notice. And so I think those guys have responded well, though, the last few weeks. I think they've played well. I think Jeff was playing really well um, before the concussion caused him to miss the last game and a half. But, um, yeah, I think they were playing pretty good as a group, and and Kirby's making plays. Um, you know, I mean, if they could get, a money to try to regain some kind of form from last year or whatever's going on, then they could have you know pretty solid set of corners, and then you can put Mike back on the inside, mm-hmm. and you know have a pretty good group.
5: I I wanted to ask about Kirby Joseph. I don't know how much you've gotten to watch a lot of his individual play, but obviously you know last few games he's gone off. And then in, in, in the middle of that, he kind of had the cold game against, uh, um, Oh geez. Did, Jeremy, did we play before Buffalo again? Um, the, uh, the Giants. And, yeah. He had a the rough Giants. Game his, Giants. His, it was a little bit of a cold game, but you know, he played well in the bills game. He had those, you know, he, he performed very well in the bears game. So what's, what, what would you say? He's got, you know, what, what's making him work on the field and what you think he's got to work on the most right now?
3: Well, I mean, he got good instincts. He got good ball skills, you know. He got a nose for the ball. And you know, he's just out there playing right now. You can tell that he's young. Um, so some of the mistakes that you he's making are young young mistakes. Um, you know, with experience and and time, he'll learn and, and pick up on certain things. Um, but you can't really coach or teach instincts, you know what I'm saying? You either got a nose for the ball or you don't. Um, you know, he doesn't mind coming up and, and tackling at the post. He does a pretty good job coming up and, and making tackles. Um, I mean, it's hard for anybody to tackle just one-on-one all the time in open space like that. So I'm not going to sit here and dog you for missing a or to his heart. It is right. what it is. Um, but I think for the most part, he does a good job in doing that. So he just got to continue to practice and work at it and, and continue to get more reps. The game will slow down. Um, and once the game slow down, you know, your instincts – they're going to speed up even more. You're going to see it quicker. You're going to see it even more clear. You're going to see stuff before it even happens. And so the fact that he got a, a knack for the ball and he kind of got, you know, that instinct, that gene, you know, that, that, that's good. So he just got to stay healthy. Um, you know, playing, playing football is tough, man. It's hard to do it week in and week out. So especially as a young guy, so it doesn't, really concern me that you see a a hot game and then a cold game, right? It doesn't like, those are things that if he learns the lesson that, you know, helps him later in his career, right? You come from, you know, having your best game as a rookie in the NFL, intercepting Aaron Rodgers twice, having, you know, two or three pass breakups and winning NFC player of the week. And then you come back the next week and probably have the worst game of your, (laughs) of your rookie year. You know what I'm saying? So, that just shows you how quickly things can turn. You can go from, you know, being praised and being all this and this and this and that to the next week. They're looking at you like, what is this guy doing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the type of talent that you play against week in and week out. So you have to be on your game, mentally locked in, focused every single week. What you did last week, good or bad, doesn't matter this week, all right? If, you, if it was bad, then you got to come back and replace it or refix it And if it was good, you got to erase it. You can't go out the next week and assume that just because you balled out last week, you're going to ball out again this week. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You got to go put the same work in, even more work. Because once you start making plays, they start paying attention to you on film. Right? If you're not making plays, they don't really pay attention to you. All right, they got a safety back there. You know, he's not really going to do much. When you start making plays, now they start watching you to see, okay, What does he do well? What does he, okay, he's really good against this type of stuff. Okay, well, he struggles against this. So this is what we're going to do to beat him, right? So when you start making plays, you just got to heighten your focus even more. And that should be what you want. It's going to make you better. Um, But I think he has a bright future if he can stay healthy and stay out of trouble. Well, speaking of,
0: of staying healthy, the, the line secondary has been banged up uh, quite a bit. And and I, I think part of it is just because of their, their general physical play that uh, comes with any secondary. There's a lot of uh, high speed collisions at that position. Um, I, I know you went through um, your fair share. And and I, I remember one of the scariest moments of, of your career was in new Orleans um, where, where you suffered a concussion. Maybe, maybe the only, it, it, it was right in the middle of that um, Iron Man streak that you had, um, can you, can you maybe just talk about that experience? Because some guys in lines um, are, are, you know, currently in concussion protocol, how scary of that, of a moment that was for you and and the process of, of, of getting through concussion protocol. Cause I, you,
3: you didn't miss a game if I, if I remember correctly, right? No, I didn't miss a game and you know, the concussions, I mean, the thing about it, you know, when you get one, so I actually had two in, in New Orleans and I think I, I think I actually know, I think I actually know what led to um, me getting the concussions because it only happened in New Orleans. Hmm. And so then I kind of started looking at why did this happen to me twice in New Orleans? It happened in 2000 and was it 15? Maybe. Might have been 2015 we played in New Orleans or was it 16? Yeah, it was 15. It happened in two, because I think we played New Orleans three times in a row in New Orleans. (laughs) I think we played them in 15 and it happened. I think we played them in 16, it didn't happen. And then we played them in 17 and it happened. (laughs) I can't remember, but yeah. it was, it was two games in new Orleans. Um, and you know the thing when you, when you get hit and you go and, and you have a concussion where you're, you know, where you're kind of out, you don't even really know, like it happens so fast. You don't even really know, you know, so for some of those guys that get hit and they're out, like, they don't really know, like, you don't really know. It's just, you just kind of out. It's like a boxer just got knocked out and just like, Oh snap. Dang. I got knocked out. Oh. You know, um, but I never had any uh, lingering anything like any concussion that I ever had. When I went back to the locker room, I was fine. Like I passed every memory test, balance test, um, you know, anything once going through the week, you got to go through the protocol. So you got to do all those tests all over again. You got to do the computerized test. You got to, you know, go through the, work out and see if you get a headache and go through contact and all these different things that you have to go through to get back on the field. I never, I never flunked or any of those things. So that's why I was, you know, never missed the game, but I also never had to circle back and do it on a Thursday night game either. So it's tougher to get out of it in, in four days. I don't think you can get out of it by Thursday. If you get a concussion on a, on a Sunday, you, no. I don't think you can clear by Thursday anyway. So I never had anything, but they're, they're scary, you know, just kind of weird. But like I said, it's, unless you get some of the ones where you just really, really, it's like a boxer probably just got knocked out and you just, Oh, and then you come kind of come back and like, Oh man, wow. That happened. <laughs> Shake the cobwebs yeah. out. <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: I've got a, I've got a couple of just
5: real quick personal questions, to go back and forth on a couple of these. First off, you know, for those who don't know, you played uh, high school in and community college in Mississippi, you got you get to uh, move over to New Mexico, drafted by Houston, and you come up to Detroit. So pretty different places to keep jumping between what was kind of the in any of those, like transitions between states? What was kind of the biggest, like culture shock or Oh, damn, I can't get this out here or anything that like, kind of, you know, shocked you as you are moving around?
3: Well, the thing, the thing for me is the main thing stayed, the main thing everywhere I went and football was the main thing. So when I, you know, growing up where I grew up at, that's, that's where I was from. So that's, that's what I knew. Um, When I left there and went to New Mexico, yeah, it was different than where I was from. Obviously it's a completely different culture. The weather is different. The, the, the culture is different. The lifestyle is different. Everything is different out there. But football is still the same. It's still a hundred-yard field. It's still practice. It's still lifting weights. It's still conditioning. It's still playing the game. So for me, that was the constant. I played football. Um, I got my education while I was out there because school is school, right? They don't, they don't speak Spanish, you know, when they're teaching you. So I mean, it was cool. It was a different experience. It was something for me to put you know, I always call it putting different things on my resume, right? You meet these older people and they always say, oh, yeah, I lived in there for six months. And, you know, I stayed in this spot for two years. And, oh, yeah, I lived, I used to live in such and such place, you know, for about four months. And you look up and they've been done lived in all types of places. And you're just like, man, how do they live in all these different places? Well, right now I'm kind of, oh, yeah, I used to live in. Birmingham, Alabama. I mean, Alabama, Birmingham, Michigan. Oh, I lived in Troy, Michigan as well. Oh, I used to work in Southfield, Michigan. Oh, Allen Park. Yeah, I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was in Houston, Texas. Oh, I was in Richmond, Texas too. Oh, I was in Mississippi. Like, like, how were you in all these places, bro?
5: I <laughs> was my grandfather in the Air
3: oh, Force. You know, I, well, I lived in LA for about three months because that's where I trained at for the combine, mm-hmm. right? So I lived in LA for about two or three months. So you get all these different places. And like I said, for me, the one thing that stayed the same was football. When I trained in LA, it was football. Yeah, you got other things going on. But I still, I was training for a goal. I get drafted to Houston, right? I come to Houston, huge city, beautiful city, great city. But it was football, right? So everything's going on around you. But the main thing was playing football, right? I go to Detroit. That's a totally different place right now. It's cold in Detroit. It's this, it's that, it's snowy. It's all these different things. But I still was playing football. So I never let the city, the place, wherever I was living, bother me in the sense of taking away from football because I had a goal my whole life and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. And I didn't really want anything to stop me. So whether where I had to go, what I had to do, anything like that, I didn't, I wasn't going to let that stop me. I don't, I didn't ever want to have to tell anybody that I quit because it was too cold in Detroit. <laughs> I didn't want to go to Detroit because, you know, <laughs> you know, in 2000 and 13 they declared back bankruptcy right like i didn't want to like you know what i'm saying like (laughs) hey man (laughs) (laughs) i'm going to play football man i don't ever have to leave the house and go anywhere other than the grocery store and you know I'm saying to work like it's all football for you yeah yeah, i'm going to play football and you know i want to go and i want to play and i want to do it and i want to be done with it and that's really what i was blessed to be able to do to be able to come in and play my my 10 years that i only wanted to play and then be done with it and go and do something different with my life. So,
5: yeah. And yeah. then tor- towards that playing career, you know, I always, lo- I, you know, you always hear about the interactions between, you know, you guys, the DBs and the wide receivers, who's, who's the one who talked the most, um, at any level it could be high school, college, NFL, who, who, who jawed off at you the most?
3: Um, you know, when I was a young guy, um, you know, Jacoby Jones talked a lot. When I was Jones, a young huh? guy. Jacoby <laughs> talked. Nate Burleson talked a <laughs> lot. Um, um, you know,
5: Nate was on your team too. Yeah, Nate no, they, they was on right, my yeah. team, and
3: and it was practice. Like in the games, you know, I don't really deal with a lot of guys that talk that much in the games because I mm. didn't really talk. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't yeah. really talk smack to people. You didn't get in yeah. with them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't but, have time but they, did, for they that. didn't
5: seek you out either.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't have time for that. You know what I'm saying? Guys that do a lot of talking, they're generally, they generally, I don't want to say aren't the like leader leader in a sense. Meaning like I don't have time to get involved in talking smack to you. I'm trying to get the call. I'm trying to alert my other DBs what's going on, what down it is, what to expect in the situation, what we protect and what we watch. I'm talking to my linebackers. I don't have time to be talking to this bum. Like, <laughs> hey, man, you called a pass. Like, cool. You catch another one, you're going to get knocked out. But hey, it is what it is. Like, coach, what's the call? Like, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I didn't have time. And, and you see it all the time. Like, I mean, the one that probably comes up the most recently is. That Chase Claypool won from whatever game that was, right? He catches a pass and the clock is running out and he's sitting there celebrating a one or two-yard gain. <laughs> like, bro, you need to be getting back to the huddle. Like, you know what I'm saying? Did you see Larry Fitzgerald talking noise to people? No, Larry Fitzgerald putting the ball down. He running back to the huddle. What's the next play, right? Like, that's what, that's what, did you see Calvin Johnson talking noise? Did you see Andre? Like, those guys talked with their past yeah you get under their skin sometime and they're gonna go at you and this and this and that but they're not sitting there getting in drawing matches with you they're they're out there to to, to take you out man so I I didn't have time for the talking but you know in practice you know guys may talk a little bit and like I said Nate was a was a talker Jacoby was a talker um you know different guys like that but for the most part and you guys don't really have time to talk like that man um he's not to me like i said i right. didn't i didn't interact with him so i i guess i was bored um <laughs> uh, well, last last one for me um you,
0: you talk about kind of be getting your 10 years in the league and 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 being done but i have seen you joke uh, maybe joke maybe you're being serious on on twitter a couple times about coaching and joking about maybe being a defensive backs coach every now and then is that is that a serious thing you're you're considering or is that just kind of Cause it takes a lot of hours. And I know, I know you got your family man. Now I know you got some other interests. I, I imagine because, it's a joke, but I want to be, I want to be sure.
3: Hey man, this, this is the way I am. You know, you, you never take options off the table, right? So everything is an option until it's not an option, you know, coaching. Yes. It takes a lot of time. Right. But you know, if it makes sense, do you entertain it? Maybe. Right. If it don't make sense, then no, I, I won't entertain it. You know what I'm saying? That that's, that's why I wanted to do the things that I, that's why I did the things that I did so I can do the things that I want to do. So if I want to coach, I will go back and coach. But if I don't want to, then I don't necessarily have to. But, you know, if an opportunity presents itself and it makes sense, maybe.
0: Has anyone we'll reached out to
3: you? Huh? Has anyone reached out to you? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Nope. Uh, but I well, mean, I can't sit here and say that the Lions brass is, is on Twitter trying to see, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, right. I mean, they're not sitting there worrying about, oh, we're going to do it. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll that's see. just we'll, fun. That's just fun stuff for, that's just fun stuff for for you guys and the, and the beat writers <laughs> and, you know, the the fans. I mean, the reception is good though. You know, I I feel like you know, you, if man. it happened, you know a lot of people would uh would be excited about it. But you know, that's a long way from now. <laughs> but enough. then Jeff Saturday brought a whole different. There you thing go. To it. I mean i have to be a DB coach. I'm making go straight be a head coach. Somewhere. There you go. Right. Yeah. I don't know. So maybe or, or a manager. To... I
0: mean, I know you're into baseball.
3: Right. Like. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I don't know. Who's, who's the guy in baseball closest to Jim ursay Let's find them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I want to give you an opportunity here to, to also plug, plug your, your podcast and, and cause pe- people love hearing from you. And I, I would highly recommend all the, all the stuff that you do. Cause you're, you're all around the lines these days.
3: Yeah, I do the, uh, believe in lines podcast, me and my co-host, uh, Jack Cavanaugh, we talk, um, you know, we just talk to lines. We talk football, we talk, you know, what's going on. We preview, um, the upcoming game. So we'll be talking Jacksonville Jaguars coming up here in in the next couple of days. And, you know, we, we talk after the games about what happened, what should have happened, what didn't happen, what did happen, you know, what we expected, what we didn't expect, all these different things. And, you know, I just kind of give it from a player's perspective, what things, what happened and, you know, why I thought it happened and what can't happen and, you know, Just being part of the media, but it's fun. We get to talk football and we cover the lines and, you know, that's about it. I don't really cover, you know, the day-to-day gossip. Like, you know, I don't look at the injury reports on Monday and Tuesday (laughs) and Wednesday (laughs) to see who's practicing and who's not. Like, uh, show me on Friday. That'll be more telling as to who's possibly going to play and who's not. And at the end of the day, I don't really get into all that either because things happen – friday and maybe somebody feels better by sunday or maybe somebody feels worse so i just kind of report we i just kind of pay attention to what's going on and then i talk about the games and who they're playing and what i expect from the team and what i've seen lately i don't i don't watch none of the player interviews and you know right but it's it's a good podcast we we have a lot of fun and and, and we talk we talk lines football I can say I don't do that stuff. He do all that stuff though. <laughs> Every time I talk to him, he's listening to an interview or this or that I'm press conference. I'm like, come on, guys. But I Just get it. Show up on Sunday. I get it, man. I get it. So <laughs> it's cool, man. So if y'all want to check us out, man, we believe in lines podcast. we own uh I think, anywhere that you can listen to your podcast. Yeah. B-L-E-A-V
0: in Lions. Uh, yeah, available on all your podcast platforms. Glover, I uh, can't thank you enough for, for making some time. Again, I apologize for schedules getting mixed up a little bit there, but uh, but any time with you is, is is valuable time to us. So I uh, appreciate you taking some time out.
3: Cool, man. I appreciate you guys. Thank, thank you, everybody.
0: Right Glover. You have a good oh, night. Yeah.
3: All right. Hey,
0: what's up, Golden? What's going on, guys? Not too much, buddy. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining us uh, this late at night. I appreciate you uh, making some time. Oh, yeah. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Um, well, let's, let's start out with, um, since you're, you're the new guy on the beat. Um, I just, I kind of wanted to hear your experience this year, because as a fan, it's kind of been a wave of emotions, obviously where we're going from, we're firing coaches to now we're talking <laughs> playoffs. So yeah. um, not, not that you, I mean, you come from the Michigan state beat that had plenty of ups and downs. I'm sure as well, but just kind of your overview of, of how the season has been from your perspective.
7: Yeah, it's it's been pretty interesting. Um, you know, obviously the uh, the first seven games or so didn't go too well, uh, and I, I, some of it was expected. You know, this team's young; they're still you know figuring out ways how to win, trying to figure that out. Um, and the talent is still not not where it needs to be. So some of those losses, I was like, okay, you lose to the Eagles, I get it. You lose to the Vikings; they proved to be a good team um i do get some of the frustration with those close losses right like where they're in it until the fourth quarter and then they give up a lead or they just can't you know fully come back i get that that's been a thing over the years but um to me it always felt like the sort of developmental year um and then they won three in a row and it was like all right so maybe i'm not as crazy as i thought because this coaching staff like they the players listen to them right and it's like we see that up close Um, they've got the full attention of these players and their message is getting through and they're close in these games. So it it kind of felt like a, a matter of time before they started pulling off some of these. So for them to start one and six and then rattle off three in a row there and then play the Bills close. Like, I think that's a good season. I'm not sure if the fans are fully quite on board, like fully like believing in this this team and what they can do yet. Um, but to me, it's a good foundational year and you know, you got a pretty easy schedule down the stretch. You can add some more and I think it'll set you up for next year.
5: I got to imagine the Graham's pick is probably helping smooth <laughs> over several fans. Yes. Concentrations. I want to, I want to ask about when Aubrey Pleasant got dismissed because obviously well liked around the organization. I, I, I guess like, what, what was kind of the reaction you saw from players and maybe just, I I think it's been popularized as fans as being the shot in the arm that was kind of needed. I'm not a big believer in in uh that kind of what's what's the word I'm looking for? That kind of punishment turns into results, but obviously something wasn't being seen eye to eye, which resulted in Pleasant's dismissal. So what did yeah. you what did you kind of see from from players uh kind of their reaction with Pleasant being dismissed and what's happened since?
7: Yeah, I, I think it was a tough deal for a lot of those guys. Um, you know, Pleasant's a guy that you know, had a lot of respect in that locker room. Um, I think he's probably a reason why Jeff Okuda is playing as well as he is this year. A lot of those guys, Jerry Jacobs, Chase Lucas, we saw him on Hard Knocks, how he was kind of attached to Aubrey Pleasant's hip there. Um, So it was tough. And I talked to some of those players about it. And, you know, they kind of said the same thing. Like, you hate to see a a coach go like that. And I think some of them might have been upset about that move. Like, it's understandable that's their guy. But at the same time, they understood, like, some of this is on us. Like, we haven't been executing on the field. I don't know exactly what, what, what it was, if it was sort of like a you know miscommunication or the message really wasn't getting through to players in terms of what they're supposed to do. We saw that after the dolphins game a little bit. Um, so I think at some point you have to take some ownership of it. And the players certainly did, you know, Alex Anz- Anzalone got up there and said, um, you know, some of this is on us and it kind of makes you wonder what you could have done differently to kind of prevent this. So I don't want to say like, his departure is the reason why they won three in a row after that. But at the same time, I do think, you know, maybe there's some better communication in terms of, you know, the message from coach to DB. Um, and then maybe it's just a sense of urgency thing. Like it kind of, you know, woke some guys up there. If they were kind of sleepwalking um, the other thing it had, you know, some of those players were going through, they had like a players only meeting some of the defensive guys. So I think that's where the sense of urgency comes in, right. Where you get to have this closed door meeting, no coaches and just put everything out there, air it all out. And every player I talked to said that really helped them. They feel closer as a unit now because of it. Um, they think it's kind of affecting the way they play and, and kind of a reason why they're kind of picking things up of late. So, yeah, it's tough to lose a guy like that. And Pleasant's like a well-respected coach in this league. Like Dan Campbell even said, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a head coach one day. So that's kind of the, uh, I guess, the resume that he's kind of building in this league. But at the same time, you know, it's hard to argue with the results they've had since then, you know, winning three out of the last four.
0: Um, I want to, I want to touch on the draft a little bit because, uh, you and Nick kind of tag teamed a a mock draft today. You, you were the first, I think, to, to crack in the (laughs) lines, beat to, to dip their toe into the mock drafts. Um, I obviously, I don't want you to give away uh, everything that you guys said, but can you talk a little bit about, um, the process that, that you guys went through and maybe some of the surprises or, or interesting results you had just from running? I think, what is it? Three separate mocks.
7: Yeah, three or four. I can't even remember now, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We did a few and Nick kind of took the lead on that because, you know, he's sort of an NFL draft guy now for right. us. Um, we got a lot of people yell at us for the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just our, our, our approach to the draft. I, we did four options. Uh, the first one was kind of like, okay, just, you know, do what you want. Like, no, there's no, you're not forced to do anything. So we went defense defense with those two first round picks. Um, I think we took Keely Ringo with, and we did it before they moved up to number three before the sunday's game so right. at that point it was like six and twelve yeah so we had keely ringo from georgia the cornerback at number six and who do we have it tw- i think we had uh trenton simpson uh the clemson linebacker at 12 like two really explosive players that improves your team speed on defense like i i, I personally think fans should be happy if that ends up being the hall um those are two really good players that can help your defense. And then we kind of let the board go from there. We ended up taking Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback in like the third round. So we still got one quarterback, you know, you get the later round guy. Uh, And then the next three options, we were forced to take a quarterback and that's how we did it. So uh, it involved staying put at six and getting Will Levis from Kentucky. That was our option B people did not like that (laughs) (laughs) Um, option option C we traded up uh, to go get uh, Bryce young at number one. And then option D, we traded up to number three with the Bears to get CJ Stroud. So we kind of just tried to go through what it would take to kind of pull off some of these moves. Um, you know, not not I'm not fully saying that the Lions need to take a quarterback. Obviously, it's gonna be something on Brad Holmes' mind, but um, I still think Jared Goff is playing some really good football, only one turnover his last five games. So he has a lot to say about what they do in the future with these final six games. But the sort of exercise was just to Go through four options, and say like you can get a late round guy, uh, you can stay put and get Levis at six, um, or you can get Stroud or, or Bryce Young. What it would take to kind of do that. So I'm not sure it was it was kind of like a 50-50 split in terms of people liking it, people not liking it, but it was still interesting to kind of pull off.
5: What's what's the feel on since he's the one guy who I really love that we haven't gotten to yet, and I haven't had a chance to pick uh someone like Bucky Brooks brain on this? Like, what's what's kind of the the round grade you would give someone on Anthony Richardson, especially given how raw of a, of a talent he is, how much development time he would, he, he would need sitting behind someone like Jared Goff. Cause like, as you said, you, you see Hennon Hooker is kind of like round three and those other three and the top three guys all, all day one. So where yeah. do you have Richardson?
7: He was tough. Uh, by the time we had our second round pick, we were, cause we did it through uh, I think the PFN mock draft uh, simulator. So we tried to get him in the second round, but he was taken somewhere in the first Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I think that'll end up being the case if he declares. I just think, I know he hasn't been perfect this year and that he makes some plays where you're just like, what the hell are you doing, my guy? But (laughs) at the same time, he also has some like, oh my God, like he just pulled that off type of, type of throws and plays out there. So the hope is that you can kind of harness the good and, you know, get rid of the bad, um, which can come in the NFL. If he decides to declare this year, I also wouldn't be surprised if he decides to stay in school because you know, if he has another good season and, you know, kind of improves upon what he's shown this year, I could see him easily being a top 10 guy next year. But if you have a guy that's in that range and he declares early before he's ready, maybe he's a late first type guy. I'm not really sure exactly where he is. He could be one of those guys that, you know, throws the ball around in shorts at his pro day. And all of a sudden he skyrockets up to the top 15, 14, you know? So uh I just think the tools are explosive with a guy like Anthony Richardson. So uh I, I, I think he was a little too high for us to take at 12. Nick is almost getting there. Not mm. quite yet. I still think that's way too high for him, but uh, it's at least going to be discussed. And I think the further along we get, if he declares and goes through the process, he'll be an interesting guy for sure. Maybe a, a candidate like the Ravens a couple years ago, traded back to the, in the first round to get Lamar Jackson. Maybe it's one of those scenarios if he's available that long, but who knows he could end up going higher than that too.
0: Uh, I got a question here from our, our, our live chat um, asked if, should the lines draft anyone under six feet tall? <laughs>
7: uh Unless it's uh unless it's a running back, that that's all I would say. That's the, the Mel Tucker approach, right?
0: Can, so okay, I'll be honest. Like I know this is a running joke with you, and I, yeah, it, it's gotten to a point where I've, it's almost too late for me to ask what exactly it is. It, it's something to do with Mel Tucker.
7: Yeah. So when Mel Tucker first came to Michigan State, like he was only, and he's still doing this now to an extent, but he would only offer players that were six feet or, or taller. And that became this running joke. He had this whole, he talked to uh, Bruce Feldman a couple years ago when he was at Colorado saying like, you know, if you're a six foot two defensive end, like you're not even going to be on my board. Like I'm not even going to draft you unless, or I'm not even going to recruit you unless you're like six four foot five. <laughs> and he has these like size requirements for each position. So yeah. that turned, somehow me like explaining his process turned into fans asking me every time a player committed, how tall is he? So yeah, that, like. that's the explanation there. Um, another... There's too many running jokes for me, with whether it's the right? Sbarro thing, I can't keep track I, I, of it, man.
5: I, I do want to ask something on the Michigan State side, like, because <laughs> I know a lot of Lions fans who are like, no, absolutely not. Don't talk yourselves into Kenneth Walker. And he's been balling out yeah. for Seattle. So, I mean, I know where Jeremy stands because he is a firm non-believer in the in the value of a running back in a high round and forget the second round altogether. But um, I know several people who remain so interested in Bijan Robinson that uh, I mean, you, the, the Lions, it feels like they they want to run the football. Yeah. And for one reason or another, just get away from it every, every, every game. And I think the book still ha- is yet to be written on DeAndre Swift, but it's kind of going the wrong way right now.
7: Yeah, uh, Swift, the Swift conversation is going to be an interesting one because obviously have his deal runs I think through the end of 2023. Um, you know, just the way they're using him right now, it almost feels like he's shifted into this complimentary change of pace back where that's not what we were getting at the beginning of the season. I don't know how much of that has to do with you know, he's still dealing with the ankle, still dealing with the shoulder, but he's been at practice, you know, as far as we know, he's like getting healthier. Um, so maybe they just like Jamal in that, that lead back role right now and if that's the case, you know, Jamal's a free agent. Like I'm sure some teams are going to come after him because of what he gives you in the locker room and his production this year. Um, you know, i pace for like a thousand yards and already double digit touchdowns. So that's going to be an interesting question. How much do you want to pay to keep an aging running back like that? And, and Jamal Williams, um, Swift, what's his future role. And it does kind of tempt you to draft a running back. Um, I'm not sure if I would take Robinson in the first round, that would be like a luxury pick to me, even if you like maybe trade down and try to recoup some assets. I don't know. That still feels like a reach there. Um, and he's a great first player. Round, first
5: round running back record is yeah. not like, I know people are going to look at uh, like Hunter Henry or Saquon Barkley, but uh, there's a lot of Sony Michels in the first round too.
7: Yes. Yeah, no doubt. And honestly, this is a really deep running back class. So they can get a guy like Sean, Sean Tucker at, at Syracuse will be there probably third round-ish, fourth round Blake Corum's another guy that'll be there mid round. So if they want to draft a running back, I don't think they have to use a high pick on one, but it, I, I get the temptation with a guy like Jameer Gibbs or a guy like uh Bijan Robinson. Those are both really talented backs. Uh,
0: another question here from our chat, a, a more serious one. Um, what has been <laughs> the biggest change for Colton from going from college to, to the NFL?
7: <laughs> um Just the schedule i think (laughs) yeah and how much access we get like it's it's kind of like wow i get to go i have to go here i have to go here i have to go here i get to see like two hours of practice that's crazy that's cool um you know michigan state i remember every year in august is probably when we got the most like practice time um it's closed during the season so like pre-season camp we would get maybe 15 minutes of stretching uh like once a week for like the first three weeks of august and they shut down and go to season mode and so for training camp, like we're out there six days a week and they're giving us an hour and a half to two hours, whatever the, a lot of yeah. time is. And you're just like, I can see everything I want to see. I can make my own evaluations of these guys, see them with, make my own opinions, see them with my own eyes. So that was super helpful for me coming in as a, you know, first year beat writer. Um, so that was probably, and then even the weekly schedule, it's like, okay, we got Campbell on Monday. We got Campbell and assistance on Wednesday uh lock rooms open Wednesday through Friday you know coordinators on Thursdays more coaches on Fridays it's like it's a lot of access and it helps us obviously but it was just like oh i got to be at everything like it was kind of an adjustment to kind of it... and, and we're there for all day i mean you know yeah. it's, it, can, it can be a lot so i it, just... but
5: it's yeah, got to but... be such night and day because like i i dipped my toes in it with USC and that was like a castle. You didn't get the keys to that at all. So what you're talking yeah. about there, like I absolutely do not miss dealing with temperamental SIDs oh, and no. everything like that. It's like these no. guys run things. And they're they do not they do not shy away from letting you know that they run things. They can revoke you at any point.
7: Yeah, I, the one thing I would say it feels like there are probably more adults on the NFL side <laughs> than college, where it's like. <laughs> You know, we, not just talking hand- about the
5: players too. Yeah, they have
7: they have handlers like basically in college, where the NFL, mm-hmm. it's like, no, have at it. Like these are grown men; you can, you know, ask them whatever you want. Like there's no restriction on anything. So. You you
5: can, you cannot miss recruit recruiting talk too. Like you, <laughs> recruiting is just the worst kind of coverage.
7: I don't know, man. I miss the height questions every single day. Like, there's, <laughs> there's nothing I miss more than that. <laughs> no, but Colton, I get,
0: please please fill his mentions with height questions. That's that's what I hear.
7: I need them. I miss them. It's been a minute, Um, but yeah. I mean, I would always feel weird like having a DM like a sixteen year old and being like, "Hey, like, are you thinking about Michigan State?" Like, that was not my favorite part of the job, but uh, it is kind of cool to watch some of those guys develop over time and turn into the players that they are. Like, I remember following Kenneth Walker shortly after he committed, um, and then to see him have the season that he had after he transferred and now doing what he's doing in the NFL. Like, that's that's always a cool part. But the, the the build up to that stuff, I. Yeah, I'm I'm kinda good without that.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh two more very less serious questions from our audience. Um one, do you still have an eight AM alarm?
7: <laughs> uh you know what? It was always eight fifteen. Okay. Uh that's why I went off like fifteen minutes in the Campbell's presser, because he started at eight. <laughs> uh and obviously made hard knocks. I think I, I changed it to what is it now? Like eight 30. So I pushed it back. I gave myself 15 more minutes to wake there
0: up. Um, um, the other one, uh, I think some people may have seen you tweet at a certain halftime show performer. Um, did you ever get a response? Um, oh, sadly, no. I did not.
7: Sadly, Ugh. I did not. Um, I got ghosted by BP Um <laughs> If she comes to Detroit ever I... again, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot my shot again. <laughs>
0: she essentially <laughs> ghosted the entire Ford field she did audience that, what, like she, what was that about I, I was
5: expecting them
7: to set up on the I, field and get like I, a. I
5: just i why blue uh, of all of all the dreg songs of the late 90s why why blue by an italian band uh group nobody has ever heard of and has not heard of since
7: yeah uh, i'm not i'm not sure there but to answer your question yeah, i offered i was like hey bb like you need someone to show you around Detroit, like you know i'm here you can I'm, find me in the press box. She, she didn't do
0: it. I'm not sure she's coming no. back after getting booed during a halftime show. Yeah, that was not great. She probably didn't even know she got Baby,
7: booed. if you're watching this for whatever reason, I didn't boo you. I didn't boo you. It wasn't me.
0: <laughs> she's definitely watching, by the way. Definitely um, oh yeah. Before, before we let you go here, um, I want to ask you the same question I've asked everybody. Um, I've gotten a very wide variety of answers here. Um, do the Detroit Lions make the playoffs this year? Give me a percentage.
7: Oof. I'm going to say no, and I'm going to say <sighs> the schedule. The schedule is pretty easy, though. Like they it can, they, if they're competitive against the Eagles and some of these other teams, the Bills, like they can beat the Jaguars. They can beat some of these other teams. I'll get. I'll say like fifteen to twenty percent. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say there. I don't know if that was higher or lower than what most people said.
0: But... I'd say that's a little bit higher. We we did have a ninety-five percenter, but that that that, that person was. A, a huge homer. was that dan campbell who no. said that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny enough. dan campbell isn't even thinking about the playoffs according to dan campbell that's true that's true um all right colton well uh appreciate you joining us um i'll, I'll give you a second here to, to plug um your, your work here where, where people can find you and all that sort of stuff
7: yeah uh you can find my work at the athletic uh the detroit Lions section uh nick and i have stories posted there pretty frequently so yeah find our work there and Follow me on Twitter, um, at Colton underscore
0: Ponce. And I want to oh, yeah. promote for you too the, the, one of these years, uh, podcast, which I, I very right. much enjoy listening <laughs> I to. forgot well. about that. That's okay. <laughs> Thank, I, you. I, Thank you for I, doing I that it. for me. Yeah. Yeah, I got, uh, I got you. I got you, um, him, him and Nick, and sometimes Chris, uh, coming in, there, always entertaining and, and informed opinion. So, uh, I am, I am a personal listener, so I, I, I can endorse it myself. <laughs> appreciate it. All right, Colton. Uh, appreciate you uh making some time again. Um we will see you I will see you tomorrow. Um, assuming that your 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 alarm goes off.
7: It will, I think so. I think we're all good there. <laughs> okay. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. All right, buddy, appreciate have a good night. Yep.
7: Thanks for having me. Yep.
0: yep. Was that was maybe the high slash low light.
5: I've probably cleaned off my face completely full of, of Sharpie marker at least three, four times, Jeremy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I've turned one of my bath towels almost black with the Sharpie. I'm gonna have to throw that in the wash for a while. <laughs>
8: uh, nice. Well, good well, to hear.
0: Appreciate you you making some time. Obviously, you're you're a busy man, you're you're at work now, so appreciate even taking a little bit of your time um out. Um, but let's 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 jump into the kind of new part of your job this year, which doesn't really require you to do anything more, but the camera's on you now, um, which yeah. is a, a new fun uh revelation for for Lions fans. Mostly I, I think most people are just excited to see you be excited. Um, but the other part of that is is getting to see some of the intricacies of your of your job. So just kind of tell us that whole experience and is, is it is it something that you're aware of or you know once you're in the game, you're just kind of in the game.
8: Yeah. I, I mean, not aware of it really, because once the game starts, you're not really thinking of it and it's really small and it's off to the side and, and it's not something that really enters your consciousness. I mean, Derek comes up before the game and, and puts it on and, and um, yeah. So first thanks for having me and appreciate what you guys are doing and, and thank you for the kind words, but um, yeah, it's, I tell you the thing I I've liked most about it. Um, has been that people can see that there's so much going on up there. That's not me. I mean, I have without a doubt, the best team in the country. I believe that. I mean, Al Rosenberg is the number one sports play-by-play engineer. That's, that's not even in dispute. Um, Joe Abramson has been by George Blaha's side for, I think, 35 years, maybe four. I don't even know. Joe started when he was like 16. Wow. He's my spotter. Wow. He's, a, he's amazing. Um, and Joe has done so much national work and, and Joe's been with me for, I think, 23 years. Um, so, and then Mike Bradd, a statistician, again, national guys done tons of Westwood one stuff and, and worked with, you know, any big name you can think of. So I'm blessed to have those guys. And I've always said they're my right and left arm and Al's the reason that we are able to do everything we do. You never worry about anything with Al. Cause you know, it's there. So that's the cool thing for me, you know, as far as the excitement, I don't, I don't know any other way. I mean, it's just what you see is kind of what I've done for all the years that I've done play by play. And, and I tell people, you know, I know I move around a lot because there's been times that I've, that I've thought I've broken my finger. There's been, couple times where i have just like either in for good or for bad that i've pounded the the <laughs> table like this and literally got to the end of the play and and you know lomas or or brandy or whoever was talking and i look down and i'm like oh my god i think i broke it and it's just <laughs> this pain throbbing <laughs> through my hand and you like, okay i can bend it we're doing all right here so I mean, it's like I don't know how you'd stand still and do what we do, and you know we're all lucky to do it. We all love it, but we're passionate about it. We feel it, and you kind of get into it. It's involuntary, and it just kind of goes from there. So it's yeah, it's been a different experience. I'll be honest with you, it's been different for me to look at it because I never had to look at it before. Right. So now to have other people see it and me see it, it's it's definitely different.
5: I I I got to ask, like, what's considering how many of you are in there with the spotters at all, what is, what? where's the place you've gone? That's like, man, this is the tight, this is a really tight fit for like where they shove you for, for the oh, box. What, what's, what's the, what there's, is the smallest, what, most cramped place you've been?
8: There's some preseason ones that <laughs> I think Indianapolis was one, one year that, that, because what happens in the preseason is, it's different because you not only have the two radio broadcasts, you have two local TV broadcasts as well. So oh, all they, they're sudden, up there
5: with you. Wow. Okay.
8: Yeah. So they have, they, a lot of times we'll lose a booth during the preseason because they'll stick a TV. Uh, they have extra one extra TV. So you always have two radio and one TV for national in the preseason, you have an extra TV. So that's a box that they have to come up with somewhere to stick them in. So there have been times when we've gotten like an auxiliary box or something like that. I was in Arizona one year, um, did a game and we had solid glass in front of us. We couldn't open it. And we had an issue with our crowd mic. This was actually, I think a Westwood one game and we had issue with our crowd mic. So I couldn't really hear the crowd through the glass and I couldn't hear the crowd here. So, I felt like I was just getting excited and screening and talking to myself. And it's like, you know, I always tell people there's two voices in your head when you do play by play, the one that goes on the air and the one that's talking to yourself. And, and I'm doing the play by play and talking to myself on why are you yelling? And there's, <laughs> Cause you ride the crowd when you right. do what I do. So, you know, most of the booths are fine. The, the, it's not so much the cramped. It's that some of them, the angles have gotten so bad because what's happened is they've sold our old booth on the 50 yard line or built new stadiums where we're in the end zone. We're in the end zone in Minnesota. Oh, wow. We're in the end zone in Washington. We're in the end zone in Pittsburgh. Um, so LA, you know, we're in, we're in the end zone in Dallas. So you end up in Dallas. If the play's not right in front of you in that, cause we're in the corner of the end zone. If it's not right in front of you, you're calling the game off the screen. Cause if you're looking down at the other end and you're at the, seven yards into the end zone on this end, you get no perspective. You can't tell if it's five yards, 10 yards or 12 yards. So you really have to look up at the screen. That's the biggest thing is probably in some of these stadiums, new ones in particular, where they've just moved us and your viewing angle is just terrible. Now, these are obviously, you know, problems that I'm more than happy to deal with, but it does make it a little bit challenging when you're looking out there and and what's happening is so far away. It's a rumor and you can't, like get a perspective on the, on the yard lines.
0: I, I got a question and, and maybe you get this one a lot, but do you have, do you have a favorite call of your own?
8: I mean, it's probably the Minnesota call, the golden Tate. That's yeah. probably the one, I mean, it's, the two that come to mind would probably be that one and Cliff Averill's interception against San Diego that locked up the playoff spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are, I mean, the Minnesota one, is probably easily the one that, that people mentioned to me the most. And it was just, it was so sudden and you're just thinking, get the first down, get the first down. And then he breaks away and he scores the touchdown. And, and I'll be honest with you. The the other reason that that one meant so much to me was, you know, to your kids, they grow up and, and you're just dad and you just do what you do. And my son called me after that. And he was in Michigan state at the time. And he had, had something to do during the game. And he said he got back to his fraternity house and all of his buddies came up to him and they're like, Oh my God, did you hear your dad? Did you hear your dad? Did you hear your dad? And it was like that moment where he was kind of proud of his dad, which made me feel great. So I'll always remember it a, because of, you know, what they did, the crazy way that game ended and the field goal to even get them there and all the crazy stuff. And then just having my son, you know, call up and say, Hey, it was really cool. And everybody came up and, and that, that meant a lot to me. Cause like I said, you know, after a while you're just dad and doing what you do, but that was kind of special.
0: Um, I, I let, can, let's jump into a little lion's talk. Let's talk about your your what? thoughts on where, where the team is at, because, uh, obviously coming off a pretty successful month in, in November, um, heading into kind of a, a, a playoff race, we'll say, um, at least in the, in the hunt, as everyone likes to say, um, we, we've we seen spurts even, even during the Matt Patricia era of, of good football play. You know, they, they worked their way to 300 or 500 a couple of times during Matt mm-hmm. Patricia's reign. Is there something to you that feels different about this stretch, this, this four game stretch that feels like maybe it's something that actually can be long lasting and, and improve into next year.
8: I think the thing that, that even got me a little bit last year and has, you know, got me feeling good about this year is the development of the young players. And that's, it's everything. It has to be, if you don't have that, you have no shot. And if you look at, you know, the teams that have longevity and do it year after year, the Pittsburgh's, the Baltimore's, you know, the teams that that constantly, they know what they're looking for. They know how to develop their guys. They have a brand. They have a, 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 a guy that fits their mold and they just keep stocking the shelves. And, and those guys come in, Learn how to play within their system and get better. And and for so long here, you know, we had a a shortage of guys that even made it to second contracts, and that's difficult. It's just that you can't sustain that. And to me, when I look around and I see anybody from from Okuda to Jerry Jacobs to Aleem to you know uh, Kirby Joseph to any any of the young guys that have taken a step up, um, you know, it just it it's everything in terms of building a program. Now look in, in terms of the whole year, it's disappointing that they couldn't have gotten a couple of those games early in the year because things would look a lot different and they were right there for the taking. But I think if you learned everything, anything, it's kind of that there are teams that are ready to make those plays at the end of the game. And there are teams that are figuring out how to make those plays at the end of the game. And you know what, over that three game winning streak, they made plays against Rogers and they they made plays that, allowed them to win against Chicago and and so i think it's coming i think you can see it tangibly with guys getting better and i think that's probably the biggest thing takeaway for me now look this next 6 games can be something special if they can keep winning and and get going and and find a way to make themselves relevant here but either way to me for the long term and the big picture man it's about these young players getting better because if you're not drafting guys that are part of the solution and you're constantly looking at guys that are part of the problem, then how do you ever get out of it? And, and that's kind of what's given me heart in looking at this year and seeing the development of some of these guys. And there, there's more than I named. I mean, it's, it's, it's important that they continue to develop like that.
5: We've talked with a lot of guys today about uh, draft and almost all seem to focus on quarterback. And obviously this year, Jared Goff's play is I feel like under a microscope, every drive every gate every like I mean the 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 third and one from Thanksgiving is probably the most recent example like we're just going to zaparuter film that play over and over and yeah. over and then nearly every mock is talking about. Will Levis or, or Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. So just what, what, what do you, what do you make of, of Jared Goff this year, his play and is like, are, are the lions, do you feel like the lions are probably looking towards the future or are they going to just stick by Goff?
8: I think this is a huge year for him. I think he's got six games left to, to show this organization that he's the answer. I think he's got six games left to take that, you know, off their plate. And I think it's, Look, guys, it's the most important position in all of sports. And they've got a big decision to make as to whether or not he's the guy. And I think we all know that because ultimately you have to have that guy to, to lead you. And they have to figure out you, – you can't come out of this year not knowing. You can't come out of this year without a commitment. I mean, that that's my belief is because – To me, the NFL is the is the gives you the ability more so than any other sport to have a quick turnaround, and they've started some of that this year. But it's got to kick into high gear next year, and whether that's with a young quarterback that you're figuring things out with, you've got to start his clock if that's the way that you're going, or if it's Jared, then it's Jared, and you're moving forward, and he's your guy. Um, I think it's probably the most difficult decision facing Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell right now. I do believe you can win with Jared Goff. I think it's unfortunate that we haven't necessarily seen this offense fully as they anticipated it would be with Chark, with Reynolds, with a healthy Swift and and guys like that. And maybe that's a bit Pollyannish to think you're ever going to be totally healthy in the NFL. But the question is, can you win to the degree that they're looking for? Can you win a Super Bowl? He's been to one. He's won playoff games. Frankly, he's done things that we've only dreamed about doing in Detroit. And I think you got to respect him for that. But I I don't know that I necessarily have the answer to that question because I look at it and I go back and forth and say, you know what, man, they've scored a lot of points. They've really put themselves in position to win some games. And what would that record look like if the defense wasn't 32nd in the league? It might look a lot different. And people's opinion of Jared might be different if that defense had made some stops against Seattle or along the way to, to make that record look better. But it's hard, man, because there, there are times where he has made mistakes. He went through that period of a ton of turnovers, the third and one. Look, there were multiple places. You you can say they should have run the ball or whatever. That play worked. There were guys that were open and you got to make that play. And Jared's the first one to say that. Whether it's Zilstra running by himself or DJ Chark who's open, you've got to find a way to make that play. And and you know, I talked to him on Monday and he said, look, you know, I got to make a better throw. There were other options for me as well. He went over everything and is, and is upfront about it and wears it. So I go back and forth, guys. I'll be honest. I'm not trying to to evade it, but I, the, also partly in that is these quarterbacks coming out scare the heck out of me. Yeah. I, I don't know that I look at these quarterbacks and see anybody that I fully believe I can cast my lot with. And to be honest with you, if you do, Houston's going to take him at number one. They need a quarterback. So if you feel that good about him, they're going to take him at number one and you may be sitting at number two or whatever the Rams pick ends up being. Um, And I just don't know. I mean, there, there's not a lot of guys in this draft. There's a lot of guys, but I'm not sure there are guys that are screaming to me that I'm going to be the future of your NFL team. And that's a scary proposition. Uh,
0: I got, I got two more. Um, one, one is the question I've been asking everyone tonight and uh, it's a tricky, it's another tricky one here, but uh, we, we've been talking playoffs all, all, all night just for fun, because who knows, we might not be able to get to talk about it next week. If, if something goes bad in Jacksonville, give me your percentage chance that we're, we're talking Lions playoffs after week 18. playoffs.
8: Oh man, that's, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, can you ask me again after Sunday? I mean, look, I yeah. think this is Yeah. I I don't know that I can answer that. All I know is that they look, Washington's already got seven wins. Yeah. I mean, nine may not be enough to get you in. Yeah. I mean, we, everybody was thinking you go five and one or whatever, when they were doing the math and get to nine, that may well not be enough. So it's a really tall order at this point to figure out a way in. So I think you just got to go out there and keep winning I certainly think if you look at the math, the percentages are against you because of the, the teams that are ahead of you, the wins that they've already put together, you know, they got to win over the giants. They have a win over Washington. That certainly might help in a tiebreak situation, but look the you know, Washington's gone six and one in their last seven, the giants put together a lot of wins early. Minnesota's yeah. already salted this thing away because of what they did early. So I, I think it's, it, it's difficult, but I think this is a really big game for them. Just program wise this week, you won three in a row. You lost a heartbreaking game against, against uh, Buffalo. This is not a horrible team coming in. This is a team that looks a lot like you coming in and you got to find a way to beat them. Uh, So I'm, I'm really anxious to see. I've been really anxious to see probably the the last several. I wanted to see how they were going to go to New York and play against a a team with a good record. Yep. I wanted to see on Thanksgiving Day if they could hang in there with the team that a lot of people think is the Super Bowl favorite. Check and check. They did both. Now, they could have won that game. They didn't. That's disappointing. Now I want to see, okay, here comes a team that's not as high profile as the Giants, not as high profile as the Bills. What can you do now against a team like this? And I I want to see them come out and handle their business. You know, Brandon, I used to call, you know, games, you feel like you should win a business appointment. I don't know necessarily that this is that, but you do need to handle your business. Those used to be when you were better decisively than the team you were facing. I don't know that this is that. I think this is a team that's very much like them, but you know what? Go out there and play a team on your home field. That's very much like you and just beat them and show us something. And I think that's kind of what's in front of them this week.
0: All right. My last one. And, and you can straight tell me to F off on this one. If you, if, if you don't want to do this, but you had, the media room in stitches a couple a couple of weeks ago, when uh, I don't know I don't know if you remember, but uh, I think it was Kyle who asked you to do the old timey radio oh my voice. god! I Again, don't know
8: if I can do that. You can tell I, me to f
0: off. I'm totally okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> okay.
8: That's more a that's more a private thing. Okay, what I, stays I, in the media room? What, yeah, okay. I would. I have no problem with you asking. I I okay. ju- I guess I'm a little shy. It just I. I feel much better doing those things in front of you guys than Fair. in front of something that might live forever.
0: Totally. understand, uh,
8: But it was fun.
0: Just know that he's killed it. Everybody. He absolutely killed it. He he has it in his mailbag in his, in his tool bag, I should say. So the,
8: maybe, 19, 50, the 1950s NFL call. Yeah, yes,
0: Yeah. So maybe, maybe if you walk by, it's, maybe that's, they'll do it to
8: you. Yeah. That's that's young me <laughs> who sat around with too much time when I was younger. <laughs>
0: All right, Dan, uh, I think we'll let you go there. I, I do really appreciate you, you making some time and, and humoring uh, an idiot like me sometimes. So
8: I know you guys are great. I appreciate everything you do. And I've told you this before, you guys engage the fans, man. You you keep them going. And, you know, it's it's outlet, outlets like yours that give them something to do all week long. And, you know, we you mentioned the media room. We're so lucky in there. We yeah. got people that do great work and we have people that, you know, just dedicate their time to this team so that these fans, which are amazing. And by the way, that atmosphere on Thanksgiving day was unbelievable and they've yep. been unbelievable all year, but it's, it's people like you guys that that keep them engaged all the time. And it's, it's awesome. There's, there's like so much out there that they can sink their teeth into and, and you guys are part of that. So where do we go to make a donation here? What are we doing? How do we do yeah, this?
0: Yeah, um, You can either go to the website, predatory.com. There's, there's a, a our logo with a mustache that'll have a bunch of links when you click on it. Um, Or if you, if you go to our Twitch page or live, stream we're going to be live for uh an hour or two and a half more hours till 11 p.m
8: yeah i and, haven't done the whole twitch thing that's yet, fine huh? that's okay. a little hard for me to figure out <laughs> so yeah it's, just go to the website it's a little uh, above my pay grade <laughs> um yeah so yeah we'll do that though but you guys good on you for doing this it's a great cause and and again thanks for all you do and i appreciate you having me on tonight
0: of course dan it's it's our pleasure i, I promise you thank thank you so much you, man. all right guys thank thanks you so